Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And Arizona has its starting quarterback for 2022. Okay, I, I can't say for sure because it's going to be a competition. But, Brett, <laughs> it seems like the good news doesn't stop with Arizona football recruiting. They added another commitment and a freshman. The transfer portal has been very, very good to the Wildcats. Picked up Jaden Delora, former Washington State quarterback, Pac-12 freshman of the year. I, <laughs> It's hard to not get excited about what's been happening with the football program. Yeah, I find myself in a situation where I'm sure a lot of Arizona fans are in that I don't want this offseason to end. Because <laughs> then it's the been games so have fun. to happen and the games but, haven't but then, been good. <laughs> but, then I, but then I want the offseason to end because I'm really excited and curious to see what this new roster and this infusion of talent is going to bring. You know, there's a lot of guys that have been that have been added. Uh you know, not just from the transfer portal, but officially announced at the, and looked really good at the All-American game. Rayshon Luke Speedy. looks like looks like a absolute stud and somebody that, you know, he's not coming in in the spring because he wants to run track. And you let him do that because also he's a guy I feel like they're just going to be able to be get the ball in space and say run real fast. The old uh, the old Forrest Gump play when he was at Alabama. Well, it's the whole thing like you can't teach. You can't coach talent, right? This coaches can scheme around talent to a degree, but if you just have better players, and we can talk about this, like the the biggest thing with Jetfish, like as much confidence as you may have had in him, it's like the talent is still not there with his team, and one full recruiting cycle does not just make over the roster. Like it's not also going to become like, oh, they went from one win to ten. That's not going to be the case here. They might not go from one win to five. We don't know, but just if you look at what they brought in. It's speed, it's size, it's skill. It's players that had offers from other programs, other better programs. There are some who, via the transport, came from better programs, from UCLA, from USC. So these are players who ha- could have gone to so many other schools and they're choosing Arizona. And we have a guest coming up later on this show, BJ Danker, we're going to talk to, former Arizona quarterback. He's going to give his thoughts on Arizona's recruiting, what they've done. And just you look at what Arizona's done, like how they're doing this. Is playing time part of it? 
Absolutely. That might be the biggest factor. Is the NIL part of it? I'm sure Arizona's doing a great job, but whatever they have to do to sell this program to bring in talent, they're doing it, and they're doing it better than anyone could have anticipated, expected, or even hoped for. And I think it's not just about the the selling of the program and the and the playing time available. You know, we talked when Jed Fish got hired that the person to be successful here needs to be a grinder and be surround himself with grinders to to be able to recruit effectively. Boy, that's that's proven to be the case. You know, all these guys that are coming into the transfer portal are, you know, a lot of them are, you, you know, they're they're not really allowed to talk to people, even though they may have a sense of where playing time might be. But you got to, you know, turn on a dime when some of these things are happening. Uh, and that means guys got to be available 24-7 on the staff, from the coaches on down, you know, to the off-the-field staff. And it's really showing up, and it's making me count the days down until spring practice because I really <laughs> want to see it. And, you know, Jaden Delore, I think, is, uh, I believe, I, I saw that he's already on campus, so he will be there in the spring along with, you know, what, 15 other guys. And with that much talent, that really hopefully gives them a big head start to see it in on the field production and you know hopefully our 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 our, our optimism isn't crushed by a, a tough early non-conference schedule but <laughs> right now it's it's all optimism and you know no end in sight uh with maybe even a few more guys coming in the next couple of weeks maybe by the time this is being listened to right now yeah well if there was a shopping list right for arizona this offseason it was definitely to upgrade the talent level just all across the board they there's no position that couldn't afford to be upgraded talent wise but the freshman class they've landed, they brought in that speed, they brought in that size. And then if you look at the transfer portal to kind of fill in the gas, because it's not fair to look at the recruiting class and say, they need to fix it this season. Like, they're going to be impact guys. Like, I imagine we talked, I think we did the mailbag a couple weeks ago. Like, which guys will play? Which ones, as true freshmen, will make an impact? And there's probably a decent amount of players who are going to see the field and make an impact, especially the skilled guys. A T-Mech is going to play. Keon Burnett's going to play. You know, Prysock, Rayshon Luke, Deuce Lane. They're going to get on the field. Kevin Green Jr., Jonah Coleman. Like, you can go down the list and find guys, A.J. Jones, who will probably make plays this season. But if you're hoping for a quick turnaround, it was largely going to be the transfer portal guys who have experience in other places. Now, Jaden Delora is a special case, right? He was a starter for Washington. He's not like the transfers Arizona got last season. I guess closest thing is Jordan McLeod, but Jaden Delora did this at a higher level at Washington State. We saw him do it against Arizona through four touchdown passes against the Wildcats. Like That's great, but the shopping list they had in the transfer portal, quarterback, check. You know, defensive length and size. You know, Hunter Eccles, Anthony Solomon, check. DJ Warnell, check. They just got the other transfer, too, from UCLA. Um, can we just call him Tisov, I think? <laughs> Does no, I, I, really, I really want you to take a crack at that first name out of it. Uh, Tisov it is, but you get him, who's <laughs> 6'4", 275. You need defensive line help because they've lost guys to the NFL. They've lost guys to graduation. Just when you look at what they needed, they're getting it. And does that mean they're going to be a great team next year? No, it doesn't. But they're certainly going to be a more talented team, and they're going to have quality at positions where maybe they haven't had it so much in recent years. Yeah, it's I, – I don't know – and granted, you know, I am a Arizona-centric college football fan, so I am, you know, ignorant of, of maybe the history in other, in other programs, but – I can't imagine there being a team that has had such an infusion of talent at once in in any time I can remember. Well, especially like maybe not infusion of talent because you look at like a uh, let's say I want to say Alabama or a Georgia they bring in pretty good classes. Well, that, I, I guess from, I mean it, going from, from, from zero to sixty. Starting. Yeah, for yeah. Arizona being a one win team last season, winning about one of their last twenty two games, where the program was to bring in what they have just seems miraculous. I mean, look at 
uh, Tisov or Sabea, as you as you call him, Tisov. Um, you know, coming out of high school, he had offers to LSU, Michigan, Miami, Oregon, USC, Oklahoma. You know, that's that's not a guy that Arizona is used to getting. And even in the transfer portal, big programs were after him. Uh, you know, USC with Lincoln Riley was rumored to be where he was uh, potentially a silent commit to. And we have him. Well, why, why go to play for USC and Lincoln Riley when you can come to Arizona? I mean, it seems obvious. I mean, it, it does to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I'd, I'd like to revise our answers to those mailbag questions because th- there's more guys that are going to contribute that are starting in the spring <laughs> as we're talking about with these transfer guys. But isn't you, know, so you mentioned, though, getting these transfers, getting someone who could have gone to USC. When you go hire a Johnny Nansen, it's like, well, yeah, can he? We don't know if he can be a defensive coordinator, but recruiting was supposed to be his thing. And there were always doubts of like, can you recruit these guys to Arizona? It's still Arizona. Now, granted, uh, Tsov played for Johnny Nansen, right, at uh, UCLA, so there's a little bit of a connection there. But Arizona, it's it's that cyclical thing of like, you don't get good players until you win, but you can't win until you get good players. Arizona's kind of turned on its head because they have not won and they're getting good players, and hopefully that is the first step towards winning. I mean, it better be. <laughs> it should uh, you be. Know, you know, uh, otherwise, you know, we talked about, you know, I remember uh, in, a, in a pod uh, a couple of weeks back, you know, I asked, you know, I asked you if there was, you know, what, what you needed to see from Jed Fish and you didn't want to go on the record and didn't think that win totals matter. And I kind of was like, eventually it's going to matter. Um, I think with the, the, the what's what, with what's happened this off season and the upgrades at a number of key positions, especially with the guys that are ready to contribute early, mainly the transfer portal guys and guys like T-Mac. We even talked about Jacob Cowing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a guy who was a top 10 in the nation in terms of receiving yards last year, right? Um, he's basically going to be a plug-and-play Stanley Berryhill clone uh, from day one. Um, you know, I, I it's it's hard for if you're Jed Fish because I almost fear that he's going to become a victim of his own off-season success if it doesn't start to translate to on-the-field wins because, mm-hmm. as I've said before, it's an outcome-based business. Um and I think that the expectation of fans is not necessarily, you know, I don't think any fans are delusional to the point where they're like, well, this is a nine win Arizona team and we're going to the Rose Bowl next year or the year after that. But the expectation for massive improvement, I think, is there in the record. And, I, you know, it's a tough uh, non-conference schedule to start the season. We'll see how it all plays out in the spring, how well guys adopt the new system. You know, how they sort out playing time. You know, some of those like the wide receiver room, good luck figuring out who's going to get snaps there. Uh, but you know how healthy are they going to be come fall and ha- and and realistically there's still some spots that there's probably holes or question marks, i.e. Oh, yeah. offensive line. But maybe there's news by the time even this is released or by the time we talk again next week, Adam. But uh, boy, it's hard to not feel anything but you know that we've leveled up in one off season to at least being a you know a respectable. Uh, team that's going to be a real tough out in every game next year. Yeah, well, one of the saving graces for Fish, too, might be that the offseason is longer than the actual season. There's only three months of games, which means there's nine months of offseason, and he's the best offseason coach we've ever seen in Tucson. So he at least has that going for him. But I think you're right to the extent that 
I haven't seen too many U of A fans saying, all right, this team is destined for greatness this season, which is good. The expectations are still somewhat in check, but if they can add offensive line talent, proven offensive linemen, then you say, okay, what are they missing? Offensively, nothing. It's a loaded receiver room. It's a really talented running back room that's pretty loaded. You have a quarterback in Delora who is proven. You're not bringing him in like you know he can play in the Pac-12 level. You know he can excel at the Pac-12 level. Yes, he has to learn this offense, and it's been challenging for some, but he'll be here for spring. So he'll have the time that Jordan McLeod did not have last season, right? So he has a lot of things going for him to be ready to be effective week one for Arizona. I assume he'll be the starter. I guess it's not determined yet. I, they'll have their – but if he's not the starter, something either went really, really right with one of the other quarterbacks or horribly wrong with him, I'm guessing he's going to be the starter. So offensively, they're an offensive line away from being a team that should be able to score some points. Defensively, they lose some talent, especially on the defensive line. Um, but they have good corners. They have some pretty good linebackers. Now some of the transfers are affecting you know, our Hunter Eccles, DJ Warnell, you know, Anthony Solomon. These are guys who are there. T-Sop. These are guys who are there to fix the defense, to help the defense. The only question mark I would really have is the coaching because you have a first-time coordinator. Can he be that guy? Can he replace Don Brown and have this team ready to play at a high level defensively? But the depth won't be there yet, but the talent will be, if that makes any sense. Like, their starters, their top 22, are going to be probably about as good as, I don't want to say as good as a USC or as good as a Utah, but it's going to be Pac-12 level. Absolutely, their top 22, their first, their starting 22, will be a Pac-12 level team. Like, that's not something we could have said the last few years. I even think that the depth is probably better than you're giving it credit for, Well, I mean, Adam. certain positions, yes. But, you know, you know I'm just saying, like, yeah. overall. There's, there's, still some, there's still some gaps in the depth. But you have guys, you know, it's not, it's, especially on both offense and defense, the guys that are adding also can flex, whether it's, like, in a nickel or dime package on defense or what kind of matchups you're running against on the, you know, on the other side of the field or, you know, getting speedy Luke in there at a running back or a receiver or running Kayon Burnett as a split out tight end versus a blocking tight end. There's a lot of guys that are going to be able to see the field and be effective and enough guys there. You don't have to, especially offensively, which I think we all agree was the biggest challenge last year. There's certain that the talent infusion there is going to be dramatically improved and I think at quarterback and offensive line, that should be enough. Like the receivers they bring back, Dorian Singer, Mejon Wright, who didn't play last season, but there was already some talent there. It was just hamstrung by offensive line and quarterback play, I think. Yeah. Those two core limitations uh, held the team back. And I think who we knew? talked about it. I mean, I think we <laughs> literally ranked those. That? Yeah. I'm pretty sure those were our consensus top two uh, concerns for the season, and they were correct. Um, we're brilliant. And, and I, and I think you're hitting on something that, you know, if I'm thinking of what is my concern going into next year, I think there's a talent upgrade and a depth upgrade in general across the board. You have an un, you know, an unproven defensive coordinator who's never done it before. And I think we're going to find out how much Don Brown and scheme mattered compared to what Nansen is going to be able to do with a little bit better talent, maybe. Uh, and I, it, until we, you know, play on the field against somebody wearing a different set of colors, you're not going to know it. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, but the thing that's going to help Nansen out that I think is always underappreciated is sometimes, you know, the best defense is having a good offense to paraphrase things, you know, an offense that can not only sustain drives, but score touchdowns instead of field goals, maybe get significant early leads where you can change what your, your scheme calls are. You can have, you know, if you know, they're going to be passing 65, 70% of the time, you can, 
turn pass rushers loose a little bit and you can leverage Arizona has pretty strong young corners and are adding some more, right? Where you can, if you can put, you know, some guys on lockdown with the, you know, trading Stukes, Isaiah Rutherford, hopefully is back healthy. Christian Roland Wallace, Prysock coming in, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen. You know, the offense can impact the defense's ability. Oh yeah. To, um, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. And ultimately it's just an unknown of what Nansen is as a defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we talked about with Levin, you and I were talking about it separately is like, you know, is scheme on defense, the most overrated thing on D de- you know, because it's, there's not that many calls. It's about reaction. Like Lev said. And I think, I think you agree with that reaction and winning your matchups, like defensive line, win your matchup, get to the quarterback, get to the running back. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's where getting a guy like Tisov, as you call him, is going to, is going to, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also still, you know, there's a lot of talent that's that's leaving the defensive line, which was a strength last year. But I think you saw flashes from young guys, and there's plenty of returning talent in Keon Bars, uh, Jalen Harris. Maybe Jason Harris starts getting more reps. Harris Shand, Brown, yeah. Harris Shand, uh, you know, Tank Wilson. But Harris Shand looked, you know, they both showed flashes. Um, you know, J.B. Brown may be back. I don't know if there's been official word on that. Or he how, hasn't you know, left, so he's. He's he's either he he may or may not be there. <laughs> um, but, <you laughs> I mean, know, we're all we're all kind of questionable these days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and the reality is we don't know with certainty what you know even base formation Nance is going to run. Is it something similar to Don Brown's? Is it going to be a three three five more of a four two five something more flexible? I think with the addition of Solomon, you maybe get a sense because uh, he's kind of like an undersized linebacker or an oversized safety. Uh, he was recruited by Don Brown to Michigan to play that, you know, that Viper position. You know, that might be an indication. I wouldn't think the defense, because they, the players that are there, they're not going to want to teach them an entirely new defense, right? And it's not like Don Brown's defense was super unique. He just blitzed a lot. Like he was running what, like a four three? Like he ran four three three four. Had some dime nickel and stuff. Like yeah. he ran a normal defense. He just liked to blitz. So I don't know if there's too much of a change for like when they had the three three five under uh, Castile, that's a little bit different. You recruit to a certain style, but 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, it's basically the same. It's well, As long as you I'll have take, the, like, the big ends take, or linebackers, yeah. and they have guys who can play, kind of vacillate between those two spots. That's what I'm getting it, at. Yeah, it, it really matters in terms of what you recruit to on th- uh, three-man front versus four-man front on the D-line. Yeah. And then, and then that kind of whatever you're going to call the Viper, the fourth linebacker, or the additional safety position. But even then, on nickel packages, maybe you put in a third corner or a third safety rather than the right. linebacker type. Which is why just having more talent, which is what they're doing, and that's what Levson, and that's what I agree with with that. And it kind of goes to what Jedfish, why he hired Nansen. Like he said, we needed a recruiting, like recruiter. Like you need better players. <laughs> And if they have guys who can win those one-on-one matchups, if a TSOP can win those one-on-one matchups, if Solomon or Eccles can be those athletic linebackers that they need who have the speed to keep up with running backs and to get after the quarterback, Malik Reed, we forget about him. He played against ASU. Wasn't bad against ASU. Got held on a touchdown twice that they did not call <laughs> on a big touchdown from Jaden Daniels. But, you know, it's if the talent is better, and I think the talent is better, then I can't see Nansen coming in and just ruining things. Like he doesn't, he hasn't called a game, but in a lot of times situations call themselves too. And I'm not saying anyone can be a defensive coordinator. There is an art to it. There's a reason why Don Brown was thought of as a really good one, why the best are the best. But a lot of them look a lot better when they have quality talent. You know, Don Brown's defense didn't look as good in Michigan once the talent level started to drop. <laughs> so whereas offensively, I think you can maybe scheme your talent up 
Rich Rodriguez was known for that. You know, you could have less talent but still score points. Defensively, I'm not sure it's as easy to. I think defensively, you need to have players who can win matchups, who can get after the quarterback without having to blitz, who can cover a receiver down the field. And Arizona has brought in more and more players who, at least on paper, seem capable of doing all that. Yeah, I think you're right on that, especially in, you know, you need the talent on defense because they have to be have the size and athleticism to react and win those one on one one battles. You know, I think I think one of the other big unknowns on the defensive side as we head into the fall um, well, even in the spring camp, you might get a sense of it. There's a lot of guys that, you know, we had high hopes for from, you know, every, we're very excited about the current recruiting class and rightfully so, but there was a lot of linebackers and safeties and other guys that redshirted last year mm-hmm. that those are the, you know, w- what share of those guys are going to step up and be able to add legitimate depth. I'm thinking guys like, you know, DJ Fryer. Um, Mojo Weirts, Dalton, Dalton Johnson at the safety position. Triplet, if he's healthy. Jabbar Triplet, you know, maybe the most forgotten guy who was looking really good until he got, you know, hit tore his Achilles. Or even, you know, uh, I think according to 247, Arizona's highest rated commit uh, <laughs> that may move to the defensive side of the ball, mainly due to the strength on the offensive side of the ball, James Bowles. What if he becomes a linebacker? How do you yeah. use him? Um you know, there's there's a lot of there's there's more questions than there. I think there are answers in terms of that right now. You know, hopefully as we get into the spring, we have like a little clearer sense and we'll probably have a sense of how Nansen is as a as a coordinator. But I think I think I agree to your point that at the end of the day, defense needs more talent to make a defensive coordinator look better more than a defensive coordinator needs scheme to look like a good defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, what's funny, Brett. We just talked for about 20 minutes about Arizona recruiting and we we mentioned Jaden Delora. But we didn't really dive into so much his impact. And I think that just kind of goes to show that, one, it's obvious he's a talented quarterback. Two, it's obvious that Arizona needed an infusion at quarterback. We don't know what this does to the quarterback room. Like, they have, I think, now five scholarship quarterbacks. But, and that probably won't last. But, you know, we'll see who decides to transfer out because Delora comes in. Ideally, he's going to be the starting quarterback. You know, Noah Hafida, Jordan McLeod would be behind him. Will Plummer, some combination, Gunner Cruz, depending on who sticks around. I don't see this as a negative at all. I don't think Fafita sees it as a negative. I mean, everybody's like, oh, well, he's going to be, he wanted to start. I'm sure he wanted to start this season. He's also a true freshman who understands that he probably wasn't going to start this season and probably shouldn't start this season. So Delora, if he comes in, has a great season. He's a technically, I guess, a redshirt sophomore, but he's basically a junior. If he has a great season, he could bolt to the NFL after this year, and that would be that. So, like, when a quarterback like that wants to come to Arizona, especially in the situation they're in, you take him. Like, that's a win on the recruiting trail for the Wildcats. But I think just the fact that we haven't spent 15 minutes on that goes to show how all this offseason has gone and just the excitement that, yeah, they have brought in a lot of talent for a team and a program that needed a lot of talent. Yeah, and I think you hit on something that it's a really important thing for Arizona fans to understand and highlight with Jaden Delora, where it's with all the COVID eligibility things where, you know, after draft eligibility is three years removed from high school. So after this season, he will be draft eligible. So while he has what, three years of eligibility left. Yeah. Um, in some ways, if things go according to how I'm sure Jaden Delora and even Jed fish and Noah Fafita hope, you know, if Jaden Delora is the clear starter, has an amazing season, you still get working some reps for other guys like Noah Fafita. Yeah, he can play him. in four games. And still yeah. be still um, red shirt. You know, <laughs> Jaden Delora doesn't necessarily want to become the Perry Ellis of uh, college football <laughs> if he has a chance for for making the NFL. And so you're kind of for Arizona's position, you know, trying to thread the needle and and 
not blocking somebody you believe in like Noah Fafita, he's kind of the perfect candidate because he has multiple years of eligibility, but he's also not necessarily a long-term block for somebody like Noah Fafita or, or future quarterbacks in future classes. Uh, and so it's 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 really an uh, an ideal fit in a lot of ways. When plus he's st- a little yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Plus he's plus he's a similar you know a similar build quarterback. Um, you know he can he can kind of you know help uh, Nofita understand what it tra- what the translation is as a relatively slight quarterback in terms of height can mean in once you get to college and in the Pac-12 compared to what it is in high school. Uh, and and also just another guy that you know as a sidebar uh, along with Tisav, look at all you know it's another connection to the poly community and Arizona's going back to you know the, the Dick Tomey years of uh, of recruiting poly guys and developing that pipeline. Yeah, and that's you, you hit on one thing I was going to say too with Delora is that he seems to be a similar type of quarterback that Arizona hopes Fafita will be. You know, not the big good arm, not a super laser rocket arm. Not six four, six five, like a little bit smaller of a quarterback, mobile, not necessarily runners, but can run if they need to. So this is someone that he could learn from. And also, if Delora has that graces in and leaves and Fafita takes over next season, he'll be more ready to do so. But perhaps even more of that, the offense will be used to that type of quarterback. It won't be this huge change to have a quarterback who can do what Fafita does because they would have, in theory, had one already the year before. And this, of course, it's also Arizona quarterbacks used to say they'll all stay healthy throughout the entire season. We saw what happened last season. I was on, went into that season with all those quarterbacks, and we're down to one scholarship quarterback by the time the season ended. So you need numbers there. It makes total sense to get to Laura. But, wow, what a what a good couple of weeks for Arizona football. <laughs> Let's take a break, and we come back. We'll talk more Arizona football and what's going on with former Arizona quarterback B.J. Danker after the break. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0, and as promised, we are joined by our special guest, B.J. Danker, former Arizona quarterback, uh, was with the team in 2012-2013. B.J., welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm happy to be here. Love, uh, love talking Wildcat football. Of course, of course, and one of the reasons we're excited to talk to you is because right now Wildcat, Ra- or Wildcat football is... It's kind of feeling pretty good. You know, Arizona's won one game in the last, what, 22 tries, and yet here we are on January 12th. Arizona has picked up a quarterback commitment, Jaden Delora, from uh, Washington State transfer. The recruiting class has been very, very good, and people are feeling pretty, pretty good. Like, your perspective as a Wildcat fan, as an alum, as a former player, how are you approaching this program? What do you see from them? Yeah, well, it's it's slim pickings when it comes to, to victories or, or something to be excited about. So, I, you know, anytime you can get um, a victory off the field when they're scarce on the field, you're, you're going to celebrate and you're going to be excited. But um, yeah, this, this off season, I've been really impressed and really excited with what the coaching staff has done and, and where the, the direction of the program is. Yes. Yeah. So, so BJ, uh, speaking of the direction of the program, it's, you know, we're recording here on January 12th and a couple of days ago, Arizona fans got some pretty big news and you were uh, tweeting about uh uh, Jaden Delora uh, announcing he's coming to Arizona and called him the most important commit of the offseason. I'm curious to hear your perspective as somebody that has played Pac-12 football at the quarterback position. Uh, what makes you so uh, excited and confident in Jaden Delora, and what do you think he's going to bring to the team? Yeah, the reason I said it was the most important because you know obviously the the high school signings that have happened this this cycle have been huge, right? With um, T-Mac, you know, as the the highest recruit we've ever signed and and Noah at a, at a survive as well. And, and we got a four-star tight end as well. There's some, been some big time guys with speedy recently. Um, but we, you have to admit that 
quarterback is the most important position in, in college football. And, and uh, we don't have a lot of depth and we don't have a lot of experience in that, in that regard, which is why I, I said what I did about Jalen, because, you know, he's got real game, real live action. He's, he's been successful. He's been in, in the fire. Um, and he's, and he's been really, I mean, he won Pac-12 freshman player of the, of the year for a reason. So um, I thought that was huge just from a, talent perspective because i think he might be the most talented quarterback on our roster and two just from an experience um standpoint so um that's why i was really fired up about it and and happy to see i was hoping fish was going to sign a a quarterback through the the portal you know every time we saw a a signee i was happy but it wasn't quarterback and i and i I thought he needed to get one of those guys to to be to kind of tap uh you know cap off the recruiting cycle and he did and so I'm, i'm pretty pumped yeah, and I wonder from your perspective, too, because like Brett and I, were fans, we're podcasters. I do some writing for AZ Desert Swarm, but we approach the team, the program, in a certain way, from a certain perspective. And we see this recruiting class, the transfer, like, wow, this is amazing. This is great. From someone who's been a player, who's been on a team, who's been recruited, who's been there when other players have come in, what does that do for a team's psyche, for a roster's psyche, when it's like, hey, there's reinforcements coming in? Like, yeah, we love this program. We want to play, but they're bringing in some major talent to the roster to help us. You know, I don't. It, that's a tough question because one, you know, I've, I've I've always played quarterback. So anytime you brought in a, a staff, brought in another quarterback, you know, you're you you only one of them can play at a time. So you aren't always pumped about that. Um, but you know, I think the the team, and the players, not but without talking to them, I, I think they know that they need as much help as as they can get, and they need as much talent as they can get. Um, and so anytime you can see, you know, slight changes in a positive way, I think that's going to give you confidence that um, you're going to have some help. You're going to have some talent and you're going to have an opportunity to win some more football games. And and at the end of the day, that's what the players want. They just want to win, win games. And so um, I think it'll, it'll have some momentum, some confidence in the off season um, to help with those workouts, those those summer workouts and things like that to help uh, get prepared for the the season mentally. Yeah. Kind of, kind of taken off on that BJ. What's your, uh, perspective so far as somebody that played at Arizona in terms of the culture that Jed Fish and staff are building there. What's your perception of the general health and direction of the program and the culture he's trying to build? Yeah, I mean, I've been super impressed with him, with Jed, Coach Fish, um, ever since he got there, off the field-wise. Um, you know, you can really tell that he's bought in and it's genuine um, and that he cares about the program, um, about the program's history, um, he cares about the community in Tucson. Um, you can you can tell it permeates through his his interviews and through his Twitter and through all the communications. Um, so you know I've been impressed since day one with that. Um, obviously he he stepped into a difficult situation, um, so I try not to judge him too harshly on the you know the wins and losses, um, but. Everything besides that, you know, you, you, it, there's not a reason why you, you can't, you shouldn't believe in, in what he's doing and, and uh, having the turnaround that it's going to have. And speaking of that turnaround, like you were part of, I think, Rich Rodriguez's first class at Arizona, right? 2012. And then you were yeah. the quarterback in 2013 and year two of the Rich Rodriguez era. This is now year two right. of the Jed Fish era. Now, granted, his year one wasn't the same as Rich Rod's. <laughs> there was no bowl game. Right. There was a win. But what's that like being part of a coaching staff that comes, like being part of a roster with a new coaching staff that's coming in, trying to change a culture, trying to turn things around? Because a team before you arrived, I think, won three games, maybe four games in 20, you know, 2011, whatever it was. So, like being 
being a part of that, how long does it take to turn things around? What's it like being one of the players who's brought in to help turn things around? Yeah, you know, as a from a player standpoint, and I was a I was a junior college guy, so when when I was recruited and signed with Rich Rodriguez, he was my only Arizona coach. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have Stoops, so I wasn't a Stoops guy. So I I came in as a Rich Rod guy. Um, but you know, there's some of these players here that were not fish guys, right? But you you have a decision to make ultimately, and that's you either buy in or you don't. Um, and, and I think what it looks like just from my perspective from watching the sidelines from watching, you know, everything that I can get the, I think the players have bought in and that's the most important thing. If, if you, if you buy in and, and you you put all your effort into it, um, good things are going to happen. And, and it looks like Jed is just a great guy to want to play for. You know, he makes, he makes you have fun, makes football seem enjoyable. Um, so I don't see any reason or issue where players are not going to be fully bought in. I think, they understand the importance of that. And I think they understand that they have the opportunity to completely change the direction of a program. And, and that's, that's a, to be a huge thing. And that's usually one of the selling points too, for the new guys, for the quote unquote, Jed fish guys, probably similar to the way it was for the rich Rodriguez guys. You came in knowing that, Hey, we're here to help. We're here to help change this program around. And for the people who buy in and pull the rope, the same direction, I think to borrow a rich rod cliche, they can do that. Was that kind of something that you felt coming in that I imagine some of the players that have signed with Arizona, like a Jay and Delora, T Mac or a Nova Fia, the ones who have come in under Jed fish are feeling that same way. Like, Hey, we could be the ones who can help turn this thing around. And for the holdovers for the Kevin Sumlin players come along with us, we're going to make this thing happen. Yeah. I mean, when you when you win one game or you lose to a 20 in a row, right. There's not many selling points that you can, if we're being honest, right. There's not a lot of things you can sell. You put your hat on when it comes to, um, the program. So that's the biggest selling point is, Hey, you know, you can be the reason why this thing got turned around. You can be a major part of it. Um, playing time, everything is going to be up in the air for you for the, for the taking, because obviously the players that have been performing recently haven't been up to par. So, you know, that, yes, that's a huge selling point. It's the probably the biggest and the only selling point that we have at this point, um, besides just a, a great coach who's, who's kind of all in. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a big thing. I'm glad that that that's working. And that's why guys like speedy, I know he mentioned that's one of the reasons why he wanted to come here. I'm glad that they're using that. And I'm glad that they're um, choosing to go to U of a because of it. So. Yeah. With, with so much roster turnover and an infusion of talent kind of building out, you know, that, that culture and, and the program in general, uh, you know, Arizona has, more early enrollees in the spring semester than I, I personally can ever recall, including Jaden Delore at quarterback uh, and Noah Fafita at quarterback, along with a, a number of others. I'm really curious to get your perspective, uh, BJ, as somebody that, you know, that played at the level, especially at the quarterback level, you know, how much of an impact does it make uh, in terms of getting guys in early in terms of what that will we'll see in the fall in terms of getting the system being ready to play, et cetera, or should we still be tempering expectations with so many new guys on the roster once the fall rolls around? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a tough question because um, a lot of, a lot of players um, adapt and learn at their, at their own speed. You know, it's not one size fits all, um, but the more reps that you can get coming in for spring ball. And I think of what is it? 15 practices. That's, I mean, that's, so valuable, huge, especially for um, a quarterback for Noah. I mean, this, the transition, and that's one of the reasons why I, I was so pumped about Jaden's because 
you know, no matter how great Noah is, it, that transition is tough from high school to, to college, no matter how talented you are. I mean, I, I've coached, I coached Kyler Murray as a true freshman at Texas A&M. I coached, you know, Cool Tate was a, a true freshman. Anu Solomon had a redshirt year. These are talented quarterbacks coming out of high school that just couldn't get it their first year, and not many people can. So these reps, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think T-Mac is just going to fit seamlessly. I think he's just so talented in that, that position. He's just so dynamic. But with guys like like Noah, that these young guys that don't have any college experience, this, this stuff in the, the spring ball practices are going to be huge. Um, and, and the more reps you can get it, the more physical live reps you can get, the, the better off we're going to be. All right, we're joined by B.J. Danker on Wildcat Radio 2.0, former Arizona Wildcats quarterback. Took him to a bowl game, won that bowl game. Some of the most fun I think Arizona fans have had in recent memory were during this season. You were there, but you, were, you mentioned that you were a coach before. You have been on the sidelines, too, not just as a player, as a coach as well. And in terms of trying to fit scheme to the quarterbacks, there's one thing that I've been really interested with Jed Fish is recruiting. He's brought in all these different quarterbacks, and it seems like they all have different skill sets or different styles. And Jane Delore is different than, say, a Gunner Cruz or a Noah Fafita, or I guess he didn't bring in Will Plummer, but Jordan McLeod. How important is it to have a coach who kind of tailors that offense to the starting quarterback? Because I know for you, when you came in, you were a perfect fit for the Rich Rodriguez offense. You may not have been a great fit for, say, a Jed Fish offense. So to him to, you know, to take that and say, okay, you're our quarterback. We're going to mold this offense to you. How important is that as a player and us from the coaching staff side? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think you can, you have to be able to adapt as a, as a football coach. Um, you have to be able to work with what you got. Um, and, you know, obviously everyone has their basic principles and their core values and things like that when it comes to offensive schematics. Um, but you know, if you have a Khalil Tate, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of somebody like Khalil Tate, right? His, his legs and his athleticism. Um, so, you know, the thing I think about with, with Jalen is, or, or is, uh, you know, I think he can do a little bit of everything. So that's, that's always a positive, you know? Um, I thought Gunner was, was, wasn't just a limited pocket passer. I thought he was, was decent with his legs too. So, um, he wasn't pigeonholed either, but yeah, Jed's going to have, um, I think, I don't want to say his hands full, but he's going to have great opportunities to kind of mold this offense to, to fit his strengths. Um, and he has multiple strengths. Um, I, I you know, he, he, he can run, he can move a little bit, um, and he can throw the football. So I, I think he's going to, he's going to be working with, uh, you know, something good to, to, to make out of clay, mold out of clay. Yeah, in terms of fitting the offense to the quarterback play, I'm also curious to see how Jed Fish uh, matches the offense to the talent infusion in the in the wide receiver room. How much, when you were playing, would you have loved to have the talent that's coming in this year in the fall for Arizona, BJ, especially guys like T-Mac? Yeah, I mean, the, the great thing about having somebody like that is you well, you don't even really have to drop something complicated, right? Hey, run run as fast as you can downfield and, and go jump as high as you do and, and catch a football. Yeah, so I don't think it's going to be hard to, to find ways to get um, him the football. Uh, I, I don't think he'll struggle with with ideas um, the same way uh, you know is when uh, with Stanley Berryhill. You know they they found multiple ways um, to get him the football in space, um, and, and T Max even more of a dynamic athlete than Stanley. So it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I don't think he'll have I don't think Jed will have an issue trying to get him the football. And, of course, Jed Fish's offense is probably different than the one you played in. But when you look at this offense, you look at Jed Fish as a whole, have you seen enough 
in the one year, I guess, the games they played last season to be like, okay, this is the right guy. Because Rich Rodriguez was known as an offensive mind. When he got to Arizona, it's like, okay, this guy can coach offense. Jed Fish has the track record as a coach, but not on the field. Have you seen enough to feel good that, okay, he's got the weapons now, he'll be able to have an offense that scores some points? Yeah, I mean, everything that I saw from from the sidelines this season or on TV, um, you know, he – Let's be honest, he, he wasn't working with the most talented roster, and we all knew that going in. And I thought he did his best that he could to um, try and get the ball in space to the few playmakers that we had. You know, he was limited on with quarterbacks. Um, he tried to do everything he could to, you know, make the game slow down or, or scheme their way into first downs or, or points. Um, you know, he, he, he's very creative in that aspect. Um, I, I, I don't have. You know, I have a lot of confidence in his ability. He's been around the game for a long time with some of the best quarterbacks in, in the highest level. Um, I, I'm not too concerned in that that regard. So in terms of looking ahead to the fall, BJ, uh, you know, it's been a lot of excitement around the program, you know, with all the, the, the roster turnover, the culture being built out. You know, you've been you've been a coach, you've been a player. You know we're a, we're a fan podcast first and foremost, so sometimes our optimism can get the best of us. Uh, right. But from your perspective, what's what's a realistic uh, expectation for improvement from this year's uh, Arizona Wildcats once the games start playing in the fall? You know that's that's so tough. You know, you, you see all these big splashy sign signees, and you think it's automatically going to translate to a to a bowl game. I, I don't optimistically. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I don't think that we're a bowl team yet. Um, you, you obviously want it to win more than one game, right? Um, you look at the non-conference schedule, and it's pretty tough. Uh, you know, you have San Diego State, who's always going to be tough. You got, was it um, North Dakota, right? Is it North Dakota State? Like, mm-hmm. they're always a really, really strong SCF team. So, it's you know, the non-conference schedule is pretty tough. Um, and the Pac-12 is, you know, it's, it's – it's game day in and day out, week in and week out. It's, it's always tough. So um, I, I don't have a number. Uh, I don't know if I just imp- you want. I just want to see improvement. I want to see um, some playmakers. I want to see uh, us be more effective in the red zone. I want to see our quarterback play improve um, and, and, and baby steps. Right. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think we're feeling the same way about that. Obviously, we'd love to see wins because that's what it comes down to but this is year two in a what seems to be a long-term rebuilding project that might be getting sped up a little bit by the off-season success here but before we go bj i feel like we have to ask you from your, maybe your favorite memory of your time at arizona because if we look at games the schedule i mean i could probably guess some of the ones you really enjoyed but when you look back at your time at arizona what really sticks out to you is something like you know what that was just great you know, the whole experience was amazing. Um, as a junior college kid, transfer, uh, you didn't I didn't know if I was ever gonna be able to play division one football or let alone Pac twelve football. So, you know, that's still the thing I'm most proud of is, is getting a scholarship and, and being able to play at the University of Arizona for that for this great university. Um, you know, that that's so special and get to start and get to, to play. Um, but you know, I think I think the Oregon game yeah. obviously is what sticks <laughs> Mind, um, and it definitely sticks out in my mind. Uh, pretty, pretty crazy day, pretty special day. Pretty, I mean, uh, there's so many things about that day. It was raining, nobody was there. 
you know, then they show up at halftime, the Scooby and, and Shaq pick, you know, it's just that, that day was, was very memorable. Um, and probably the greatest, uh, day of my life, um, football wise. I have to admit though, I think I remember having an offer to go to that game and I'm like, the weather's going to be terrible. Arizona's going to get killed. I'll pass. <laughs> and it's one of those that I regret. So thank you for making that a day that I regretted not going to Tucson because I, that's the game I would have guessed. That was a, that was a lot of fun to watch that game, even on TV. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was senior day, so I got to walk out with my family in the middle of the, the stadium. Um, but yeah, no, I remember waking up uh, that morning at the team hotel and it was raining and I go, are you kidding me? We had, you know, Heisen, Heisen winter, Mariota coming into town. Um, we, you know, I was like, great. The ducks brought, brought the weather, brought the rain. Um, and then, you know, just, it was a special day for sure. All right, so we'll wrap it up here with that one, BJ. Although I guess the final thing is your number seven's coming out of retirement now. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I just, I just saw that. I feel like I'm the I'm like the biggest fanboy because I was touted how he was, you know, the most important uh, recruit that we signed. And then uh, the next day, I find out he's wearing number seven. So I had to give him a little love. Um, you know, big shout out to him. I hope uh, he reps it proud. I know he will. Um, best number in football. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see a, a, a seven do a lot, a whole heck of a lot better than I did. So, uh, well, we, I know every Wildcat fan appreciates your time at U of a brought Arizona, some wins, some excitement that went over Oregon, a bowl game. And we would take that in a heartbeat. I'm pretty sure again. So right. BJ Danker, you can follow him on Twitter at BJ Danker tweets a little about Arizona football too. And these days it's been a lot of positive things, but thank you for joining us on Wildcat radio 2.0. Yeah, I appreciate it guys. Thanks uh, for having me. All right, so that's B.J. Danker, and we come back. Let's talk some Arizona basketball. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks again to B.J. Danker for joining us, Brett. That was a lot of really good insight. We've had a lot of great guests on the show, and I like to think we're actually pretty intelligent, too, most of the time. But it's great to get the perspective from someone who played for Arizona and played quarterback for Arizona, especially when we're talking about guys like Delore or what's happening with the program today. Yeah, what a what a fun conversation and perspective to get, and you can – you can tell what made B.J. Dinker a successful quarterback in how thoughtful and analytical and effective of a communicator as he is, as you displayed in that interview. Um, you know, it's it's really it's a fun perspective to get. And I think, you know, it, it's it's also just always fun to see alumni that are connected in and excited about the direction of the program and want to see success. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And hopefully Arizona does have success in football. And of course, BJ, we're happy to come on. We'll have we'll be happy to have him back on too when Arizona when the wins start coming. But <sighs> Brett, there probably would have been a lot more wins coming in basketball had basketball been playing. Both men and women have gotten back on the court since we last potted. Arizona men beat Washington at home. They had that game made up. The women lost at USC, their first loss of the season. But let's let's stick with the men's program here. They've moved up in the rankings. I think they're number six now. And they haven't really played. Um, <laughs> they are scheduled to play this week. Recording on the 12th, they are scheduled to play Colorado and Utah this week. Uh, Colorado on Thursday the 13th and uh, Utah on Saturday. And I say scheduled to because I don't, I don't think any games are given these days. But, you know, for the basketball programs, but we'll stick with the men because they've had this really just crazy layoff time here. It's certainly a challenge. But I know Tommy Lloyd in his press conference, like, he wasn't complaining about the schedule. He's like, hey. Like you could use it as an excuse, you could use it as a problem, or you could take this time to get better, and they're going to focus on getting better. So, I mean, we all want to see him play, and I think we're going to get too soon. 
more than just getting to see them play, and I'm sure Tommy Lloyd feels this way too, I think we all want to see this relatively young upstart team have some more challenging conference games. Uh, I think the uh, UCLA game got rescheduled very conveniently for you with your tickets you had purchased previously, Adam, to be <laughs> yeah. on a to be uh, on a Tuesday night in LA. I got my money back. I will not be going to LA on Tuesday <laughs> night. Uh, I think it's the twenty fifth. I think that's right. Yeah, I will not um, be going to LA for that one. So you know, well. hope hopefully that will hold, and we get to play <laughs> some of these games. Um, you know, it's, as a fan that wants to see this team reach its potential, and I'm sure Tommy Lloyd feels that way even more so as the coach. I think those kind of games are going to be super valuable uh, when it comes to March. Hopefully by March, there's no risk of games getting canceled, but I don't think we could take anything for granted. And boy, it would sure suck to not have a March Madness tournament again, which I don't think is a real likelihood, but no, I, we're not, we're, we don't usually get to have nice things, Adam. So I'm just taking the pessimistic take as, no. uh, as the, as the baseline and well, loop a, from there. A normal Arizona basketball, you'd say, oh, I, they're probably just going to get bounced in the second round. And that's what's going to happen. Now the worry is like, no, they're really good. And I guess you still have that concern because every Arizona good team, it's hard to win March Madness. Be like, will the tournament happen? Will Arizona stay healthy enough for the tournament, like for them to play in the tournament, <laughs> especially with the way things are going? I know there's an article in the Daily Star recently about how they've been able to defeat COVID so far, and hopefully they keep doing that because it's everywhere. But assuming that they stay healthy, like we'll just, they stay out of the protocols, they don't have any of their own shutdowns, hopefully the games will start back up again because you're right. Like, I don't know if they would have beat UCLA on the 30th. Or I don't know if that would have happened, but I want to see them play that game in that environment against a really good team. Same thing with USC. I want to see them play those games. I think Arizona can win those games. I think Arizona might be the best team in the Pac-12. I mean, they're ranked six now, right? But they haven't had as many chances to prove it. Like two games ago, they lost to Tennessee in a really tough game on the road. And it was an impressive loss if there is such a thing. But they played one game since then. It was a mostly unimpressive win against Washington. Like, they looked rusty. They looked like they were kind of playing with their food again, and they pulled away in that one, especially in the second half. But we want to see them play those marquee matchups because it's like, yeah, we know this team is good, but it's nice to have that validation. And it's nice to them play other really good teams because if when they get to the tournament, if they play in the tournament, they're going to play good teams. And we want to see them go against more of them, especially in hostile environments. But, you know, I, I never got on board with the idea of, getting mad at UCLA. The scheduling's got to be really tough, and I understand why they don't want to do certain games and certain times push them in, squeeze them in, because like that game's supposed to be a marquee matchup. Granted, it's at 9 o'clock Arizona time, so no one back east is going to stay up to watch it. I live in Phoenix, and I may not be able to stay up all night to watch it. We'll see. But, you know, it's just, that's this season, right? Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm looking forward, assuming the game happens on the 25th, to seeing how this team handles a top-10 matchup in a completely non-hostile environment on a Tuesday night in LA <laughs> because they're just not going to show up due to rush hour and getting the poly pavilion, um, which I say that jokingly, but also it might be a weird thing if there's, if it's an underwhelming due to COVID and traffic and will they allow LA fans to be there. I think they're not allowing fans in their building right now either. Are they not? Yeah. So it's going to be even more of a, you know, how self-motivating can they be? Right. Um, but, there, you know, UCLA has plenty of talent. I have doubts about their ability to be consistently playing effectively as a team because they, I joke that they look like it, the uh, UCLA fitness uh, pickup game um, sometimes. Uh, a lot of one-on-one happening, but, you know, they should get better as the season goes along, just like we hope that Arizona does. And you need those challenges. You need to have guys that have tough individual matchups. 
you know, uh, we've seen that for some of the Arizona bigs. I don't know if we've never necessarily seen those those star matchups uh, on the perimeter like you will against, you know, against UCLA for Arizona. Guys like Ben Mather and Kirk Carissa, you know, UCLA's got great perimeter play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see that how those guys react to an upgrade in talent that they haven't seen necessarily as much this year. But yeah. hopefully it happens. Well, and that's the thing. We, when they lost to Tennessee, the thought was, okay, this is a game that will help them ultimately. They'll be a better team for this. And they've gotten to play once since then. <laughs> we haven't yeah. been able to see if Arizona's growing. And, like, there is value in practice. For someone like Pella Larson, who's been dealing with his injury coming back from that, having time off the court to practice isn't necessarily a bad thing. And for a team that, you know, is still learning this new system, learning to play with each other, yes, you can't replace the experience you get in games, but you can get value in practice, and hopefully they've done that. The fact that it's not their own COVID pause, you'd, hope that you'd like to think it has happened because they've been able to practice. They've been able to get on the floor. They've been able to work out and do all the things that you like to see them do when they're not playing. But until we see it on the floor in games, they'll be like, okay, has this happened? And until we see them do it against good teams, you'll still wonder. Because, yeah, they could probably beat Washington at home in their sleep. You know, Washington's not a very – I mean, Terrell Brown's great. Like, I'm very happy for him having a monster season. But that is not a very good basketball team. UCLA is. USC is. I would have liked to see them play ASU. I think they would have spanked ASU. That game got postponed due to COVID as well. But I want to see them play ASU because that's still an environment. still a rivalry game. You know, it matters. So until they can get back on the floor, it's really hard to judge their progress. We know they're good, but it's hard to judge their progress. And hopefully they have used this time off, this, what, two games in like three weeks' time to improve, to rest up, to get healthy for what might be a fairly arduous stretch run where they might get these three games in a week as opposed to the two that they're used to as the Pac-12 tries to squeeze them in. But even even that could help prep them for March, right? When you're going to have a lot more games at a lot tighter schedule, potentially. Um, and also, Adam, we definitely, definitely want to have the ASU game rescheduled just because, you know, I'm not one for schadenfreude or actively rooting against ASU, but I am definitely for crushing ASU fans in a head-to-head matchup. And if they're a little down on things like, you know, their uh, the, their football program that's losing more players and it's adding, so be it. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, no, I I was looking forward to that game. I'm fairly confident Arizona will beat ASU when they play this season. I think Arizona's a really good team. I don't think ASU's good at all, but it, we still need to see it happen, right? There's nothing more cathartic than just Arizona basketball destroying ASU. Conversely, there's nothing nearly as awful as losing that game, which has happened more often than it should have in recent years, so, you know. Indeed. <laughs> Last year would have been fun to be at. I jumped off of my couch in Arizona, one at Tempe on the buzzer beater. <laughs> I had a few drinks of me. I'm like, yes! <laughs> like, I was so excited about that. But, Brett, I, the women's team did get back on the court. You know, following, they had a tw- like a three-week stretch where they didn't play either. They had their own COVID issues. They lost to USC, their first loss of the season. It was a tight game. They didn't play particularly well, missing a couple players, too. Lauren wears out. She's one of them. I... You know, they, they dropped out of the top five. That's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, it's the wonky season. How do they bounce back from this, right? Like the layoff and getting back on the floor, it's not easy, but I'm still every bit as confident in this team. Yeah, and in, in, a, in a weird way, the I think it was like a three-and-a-half-week layoff, you know, coincided with Lauren Ware's injury. So if those games get rescheduled, maybe it's working to your benefit of uh, having her back for some of those uh, or it gives you the benefit of not necessarily rushing her like back. You're missing Pellington too, so it's not exactly a full strength Wildcats right now. Yeah, I don't. I 
I my uh, excitement, hopes, and expectations for the women's team after losing their first game of the year have not really fundamentally changed. I would hope not. <laughs> they lost the game. Um, Season's over. They suck. <laughs> I mean, uh, Dia Barnes is still getting dinner purchased from uh, from uh, Coach Tommy Lloyd. Well, I know he uh, said they need to look into that because like you can't lose if you don't play, and you know. <laughs> Like very clever idea, very clever. That sounds like a sounds like a uh, an anti sports gambling addiction <laughs> phrase. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think hopefully they'll get they'll get healthy as the season goes along, and hopefully they'll get to play more and more consistently because boy, they're a fun team to watch. And again, let's hope uh, COVID things start to look better so we can have them playing in March as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Like they hopefully got back on the floor and they'll stay on the floor, get their games in. Arizona men's basketball starts up again this week in theory, and hopefully they get the rest of their games in too because these are both very good basketball teams. We just want to see play. Like we're excited for what they could do in March, but it's fun watching the ride, the journey to get there too because these are teams that are good. They're winning. They're growing, and as you start to think of what could be, but I mean it's like watching. Like we're fans, <laughs> we're podcasters yeah. here. We 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 cover them in a little in our own way, but we're fans. It's fun watching Arizona basketball, especially this season, men's and women's, and having them not be able to play. And it's understandable. Like this is a weird time still. It's not like it was last season where they're playing in empty gyms. Like we were hoping things were back to normal. They're not quite there, but we still might be. You know, it's it's a it's a squiggly road. It's a curvy road to get to where, you know, get to March. But hopefully they can each navigate it well and get there. Let's hope so. And you, you know, let's not even uh, undersell the just the base, the base uh, impulse about these teams as fans. Both of these teams are not only good; they're really damn fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, don't underestimate that uh, in t- in terms of what makes us want to get them back and 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 playing on the court. I know a. Uh, for me, it, it, it's one of the bigger factors that makes it even more enjoyable, maybe even more fun than just winning. So more enjoyable. Arizona, watching Arizona basketball or watching a Jet Fish offseason? Oh, man. To tie up our show, to tie things in a nice little bow, what's, what's more enjoyable? I mean, <laughs> watching a win is, a, is, a, is, is more of a, a short-term uh, rush, and this offseason is... is each day, it just feels like it's building on the prior day's excitement. So it's a little more, uh, uh, more, in, it's 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 a little more tantric for the enjoyment I, you get out of it. It's a little longer lasting, Adam. <laughs> I, I think that works. I would tend to agree. But either way, and of course, baseball's going to be starting up soon too. Softball as well. So they're all good programs. Like all these programs are supposed to be among the best in the conference, if not the country. I mean, not football, obviously, but, you know, their offseason has been like their recruiting has been among the best in the country. So we can make that claim. Can we can we just you know, we talked about the year in review kind of stuff. Do you remember how pessimistic almost all the Arizona programs were relatively 12 plus months ago? They say 12 months ago. Women's basketball was really good. We knew that. But men's basketball was already postseason banned, self banned. So I was like, okay, we'll see. Football was was not great. (laughs) <laughs> it's, I'm just saying, you know, there was and there was questions around some of the hires and and some of these other things, and you know, it's 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 been a rough couple of years for Arizona sports in the broadest sense. You know, there was some, some success, like women's basketball, especially, but boy, is there a program that's not trending up right now? I'm not sure they're 
there is. Yeah, especially among the big ones. Like, there's obviously a bunch of little pro- smaller programs that we don't as- devote as much time to, but we'll get to them, especially when there's news. But, yeah, I'm not mad about things right now. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> and hopefully, again, the basketball teams get to have these games that are scheduled, that they get to play them. Of course, we'll talk about those games when they do happen, if they do happen. And we'll be back next week with more Wildcat Radio 2.0. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify. If you are on iTunes, give us a rating. Give us a review. We will read that review on the show. Otherwise, follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. And until next week, remember to bear down. Bear down.